0: Hello and welcome to episode 209 of the Thinking LSAP podcast in Los Angeles. I'm Nathan Fox. With me in Vienna, Virginia, Ben Olson. Ben, you went uh, bowling yesterday with the kids. Yeah.
1: uh, Well, actually, I guess it was two days ago, but this bowling alley (laughs) had the old computers and everything was greasy. Like the outside (laughs) of the bowling ball, you know, inside where you put your fingers, like the just the computers. Sounds legit. Yeah. They were nice. Sounds like a
0: bowling alley. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, worked at a bowling alley, Ben, in college. No, oh, get out! Really? What yeah. Uh, everything there. Um, well, not the mechanic stuff in the back, but I worked in the front. So okay. I handed out lanes, and I uh, we had pool tables and video games and all that kind of stuff. I uh, gave out shoes. I sprayed the shoes, you know. Mm, yeah, um, I remember that. Mm-hmm. I did all the all the bowling alley jobs. Mm. Um, it was a fun, it was really fun. I, Oh, I, uh, taught little kids bowling camps in the summer. No
1: way they have bowling camps.
0: Uh huh. Yeah. Davis, you know, it's a cool little town, but like, <laughs> Davis in the summertime where it's like becomes a ghost town, you know, cause it's a college town, mm-hmm. but like the professors and stuff, a lot of them still live there. And so they would come, it was like a day camp and they would like drop off their kids at, at, at like, you know, nine in the morning. And we would bowl from like nine till eleven or mm-hmm. something like that. And we like taught them how to bowl. And some of them used the bumpers and some of them didn't. But we like taught them how to how to do it. And the older ones, we taught them how to keep score. It did the place didn't have computers, so you had to know how to keep score by hand and all that. Mm-hmm. And then um at around eleven, uh another counselor and I would take all the little kids outside, line them up on their bicycles because it's Davis one of the counselors would be in the front of the line and one of the counselors would be in the back of the line and we would do a, just like wagon train over to the Davis like municipal pool. Mm. And then we basically, there were lifeguards at the pool. So we were just kind of babysitting really Mm -hmm. and the kids would just like play around in the pool for, um, an hour or whatever. And then we would line them back up on their bicycles and cruise back to the bowling center. And then their folks would come pick them up at like, yeah, I don't know one, something like that. But that was the, (laughs) that was the bowling camp. Okay. One of the best jobs I ever had working at the counter when it, because I really liked it when it would get busy. Mm. That's what I really liked is when it was just like happening, you know, and you had to just do all the things and there was like a line and you're like running the register and you're just like, you have to, it's, that's just like the best for a, for a job. I think Mm. is when it's like really happening, you know? Yeah. And you just, like time just flies. Anyway, um, today on the show, we have an update from LSAC about October. Um, they are f- opening some more seats, apparently. So we have an email from them. We have an email, Ben, from a former student of yours who is a current Harvard 1L. Yeah. It's just an update from Harvard or what? Yeah. Yeah, huh, cool. We have a question about applying early, like applying now or waiting and applying with a higher LSAT score. Uh, this is the Philadelphia edition of this question. Somebody is specifically interested in the Philly schools. So maybe we can take a quick look, Ben, at the 509s and just kind of give some advice. Sure. We have uh, James's personal statement. You know, James, Ben, from the Vegas class, the dude who did our uh, awesome demon logo. Yes. He sent in his personal statement Oh. and he said he's taking us up on our challenge to uh, actually follow our advice and write a decent draft of a personal statement.
1: Awesome. I'm impressed yeah. with anyone who sends in their personal statement these days, knowing <laughs> what we're, yeah. we're going to say. And that yeah, it's yeah. impressive.
0: So thanks, James. Yeah. Uh, this is going to air on Monday, September 9th, which means that you now have one day to register for the October LSAT. The deadline for that is Tuesday, September 10th. The test itself, uh, oh, sorry, the September LSAT coming up after that on Saturday, September 21st. So, yeah, you do have to register for the October test before you even sit for the September test. And, Ben, are you telling everybody that that means that if they're registered for September, they basically should be registered for October as well? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, if they're, they're ready, a ready bummer. for September. Maybe they are registered for September and they shouldn't be, but. Oh, right. No, I mean, if you're like trying to get your official score on the September test, like I think you need to be registered for October as a backup as well. Just register.
1: Yep. You'll lose your money if you don't take it, but that's good news, right? It's like when you don't use your insurance, people are like, oh, I shouldn't have gotten it. Well, um, no, it's good that you had insurance and
0: didn't need it. It sucks if you need it because that means you got hurt. (laughs) That's a good way of looking at it. I mean, it does seem like LSAC needs to come up with a more civilized uh, plan for this right like mm-hmm. they they must know that because of their own really like difficult deadlines, they must know that tons of people are going to like take September and feel like it went okay and then withdraw from october and like why do you have to charge those people and that <laughs> you didn 't end up doing anything for them so i don 't know it seems like they should give a more generous withdrawal policy they should or move the
1: deadline closer to the test and speed up the score turnaround I especially now that the test is digital I, I don't understand the long delay I mean I guess it is still paper and pencil in Europe and other places like that but I feel
0: like those are different L sets anyway so hopefully they'll start turning it around quicker check this out y'all Saturday and Sunday October 12 and 13 Ben and I are coming to teach a live class in New York City. And uh, we are both super excited about that because it was so fun when we did that last year. Yeah. Um, class is gonna be $395 for two full days of instruction, um, but we are giving generous discounts. If you're a Demon Premium subscriber, you're gonna get $300 off of that class. So again, 395 is the regular price, $300 off that for Demon Premium subscribers two hundred dollars off that for regular demon subscribers Um, just a thank you for being a member of the lsat demon
1: yeah and if if just demon premium or demon regular subscribers come we'll be happy i mean there's hundreds of you out there and we're grateful for your contribution to the community and everything so we
0: hope to see you in person yeah, and uh, while we're thanking them, might as well thank them for hitting the ask button. I really appreciate that. I mean, I, I'll say it again if you're not hitting that ask button, I don't believe you that you're actually studying. <laughs> so hit the ask button, tell us what you don't understand, and you will learn faster if you do that. Yeah. Um, and make the demon better while you're at it. I should add if you're not a demon subscriber uh, and
1: you want to come to this class, It would be cheaper for you to just get a month of the demon, (laughs) (laughs) get the discount and then come because that will be cheaper than just paying the full price. But uh, in any case, whatever works for you, we want to see you there and we
0: look forward to teaching from the demon in class. Yeah, I can't wait. Email the show, help at thinkinglsat.com. Uh, send us your selfies when you do that. If you want to be on our social media, you can listen to the show a million different ways. Every way that you can listen to a podcast, you can listen um, to the show. So Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Stitcher, our website, thinkinglsat.com. You can leave us a voice message. We've got links to that on social media. We'd love to leave uh, use your voice message on the show. Ready to dive into this uh, email from LSAC?
1: Yeah, really quick. We do need to pe- tell people where to register for the class.
0: Oh, yeah. ThinkingLSAT.com slash... Class? <laughs> class. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like making it up as we go here. <laughs> ThinkingLSAT.com slash class. Uh, or, you know, if it's not at there, it should be on the front page yeah, of Yeah, you'll LSAT. find it. So come to thinkinglsat.com and register for the class in New York. Space will be limited. Again, that's October 12 and 13. Sign up now, please. October LSAT. Candidate communication update. Wait, that's not the real subject line. I think it is. Hold on. The subject of the email is October LSAT dash candidate communication Update. It's a communication update? Uh,
1: I, don't, I don't know. We'll have to uh, read what this person says, but an update on communication? This is how we're going to communicate with you, and we'd like to update that?
0: <laughs> That's a bad subject line. Horrible. It's,
1: yeah. Okay. Go ahead, Ben. Okay, I'll read this. It says, oh, dear Ben. I guess I must have forwarded this. Okay, dear Ben, today we are communicating to all law school candidates that we are continuing to obtain more seats in test center locations daily for the Monday, October 28th, 2019 LSAT. Okay, it's a communication <laughs> update because they are communicating <laughs> this information to us. That I is I could just said...
0: <laughs> wait, is this the email that went to you? Maybe this is the email that went to you as an LSAT licensee. Oh, okay. Oh, it is. It is. It is. So
1: they're saying, hey, licensee, we're telling you about a communication that
0: we're sending to candidates. Correct. All right. This is not (laughs) the one that they sent to students. Oh,
1: my gosh. So much talking about what we're going to talk about. (laughs) Oh, look at this. Okay. Next paragraph. As part of this communication, comma, we are encouraging anyone interested in taking the October LSAT that hasn't... mm, that who hasn't registered yet to log into their, (laughs) gosh, dang it. Log in. That's, that's a noun to log space in to their LSAC accounts to choose their test center and complete registration before the, before the Tuesday, September 10th deadline.
0: Let's not bust balls too badly on the writing here because I have a feeling that this was just like, Hey, we need to tell the licensees that we're doing this. This is not the email that went out to the public. This like he, this probably went out to like thirty people who have an LSAC license. Dude, that's know what I mean? that's
1: like telling an assassin to stop killing people. <laughs>
0: what? <laughs> that's their lifeblood That's their living. You can't tell them that. I walked uh. past a big fucking truck parked on the side of the street uh, just this morning, Ben. Yeah. And it had a um it was like a big like worker truck and it had a bumper sticker on it that said, God bless the U.S. troops and then underneath that, especially the snipers. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I was like, wow. Um, God, God blessing the snipers. Like, Oh Jesus Christ. Okay. Anyway. Yeah. That's
1: interesting. I guess you have a strong belief in the nobleness of your cause, uh, which I hope is noble. But, um, in any case, this continues, we are also making them aware that if a test center appears to be unavailable, they can enter the zip code where they would prefer to test, and we will reserve their seat as we work to confirm a test near test center near them. I'm actually not totally sure I'm following what's happening there.
0: <laughs> yeah. You- yes. Yes. Okay. What is happening? I think I don't want to read the rest of this email. It's too much. And it's, (laughs) there's no point. (laughs) And there's no point. Here's the, here's what's up y'all. They are going to open up more seats. We, we've already said this on the show. They're going, they always open up more seats. They're going to open up more seats. But the deal right now is if it looks like the test center nearest you is full, you can get on the wait list basically. Um, you can now put a zip code where you would prefer to test. So like I've heard, I mean, this might, I haven't checked, but I've heard that there are no test centers available in Utah. Okay. (laughs) So you can put in your zip code in Utah through the LSAC website and hopefully they'll open up a test center near you if there's enough demand or if they can find a facility or whatever. Hmm. So that's it. That's basically it. They're going to open up more seats. Want to move on? Sure. Oh, we have a pearls versus turd. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Pearls versus turds is the segment of the show where we uh, evaluate a tip tip and trick, a bit of advice about the LSAT and see if we think it's a pearl of wisdom or a turd. Okay. So here we go. This is not advice I have been given, just a personal strategy I have come up with. I know when taking the official test, I am supposed to randomly guess for all of the questions I am unable to answer. For practice tests and sections, however, I have chosen not to randomly guess and just leave the ones I am unable to finish blank. My reasoning is because I don't want to get too happy about my higher score when it is just arbitrary. I'd rather be pleasantly surprised by the few point increase on test day. Any thoughts? Thanks, Shelby. Uh,
1: so my only thought is that if you never practice how to bubble, you may not do it until
0: there's not enough time. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Can I uh, pile on? Mm. Not only that, like you should definitely be practicing the way you're going to play on test day, Mm -hmm. which means that if you're going to randomly bubble guesses on test day, you should be randomly bubbling guesses on your practice days. So that's one reason why this is a turd. Another reason why this is a turd is that random guessing is part of your appropriate strategy. And you, you need to be pacing yourself through these sections with the knowledge that you're going to be guessing. Not, not that it takes time really to guess. I mean, you just go D, 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 you know, like takes 10 seconds, right? To guess. But that's not the reason why. The reason why is because you need to get used to the fact that those guesses actually do provide value to your score. A- Cause I can just see what what Shelby would maybe be doing is like racing through the section with this strategy. Cause like, Oh, well my guesses don't count anyway. So I'm going to race through the section and do as many questions as I can. When what you should be doing is just focusing on accuracy and then harvesting those free guessing points at the end of the section. So yeah, I understand. I mean, I, I get it that like it does introduce randomness into your score results when you guess. But nonetheless, it's part of your score and you need to just like accept that.
1: Yeah, I don't mind the bonus idea. I actually think with the digital test, people, there is a slight learning curve to bubbling. I've heard people talk about how when they hit the five minute warning and then they started bubbling, they would find themselves looking at the questions and deciding which ones they wanted to answer and then realizing that they didn't want to do that. And I just don't want you to be learning any of that on test day. Also knowing where to go back to. So let's say you get to question 21 and then you bubble in the rest. It's not a complicated process, but you got to go back to question 22 and start answering from there. But sometimes sometimes, people forget because they just started bubbling like oh wait which question was i on and then you're looking for that so let's just make this process seamless so that on test day you're not learning how to do that or not doing it at the five minute warning right how many people are waiting until a minute left and then realizing that this takes longer or whatever um so anyways i would just get your system down and
0: get ready for test day that's my biggest concern yep I have that concern and the other concern that I stated. Um, I have to put this one in the turd, turd pile. Moving on? Yeah. Why don't you read this email since it's from your student?
1: Sure. Hi, Ben. I was in your LSAT class in 2017 and just had an awesome moment at the Harvard Law orientation where I ran into someone who was in your class with me, Adam. It took us forever to remember where we knew each other from, but it clicked for us both and I got to yell... Ben Olson's LSAT class, all caps. When I finally remembered, we both agreed that we have you to thank for us for being here. And we send our gratitude for helping us quote, make it best Caitlin. So actually (laughs) I just wanted to include this, not because, I mean, I forgot that they said that they wanted to thank me, but really they're the ones who worked their asses off and, and made it into Harvard. But it just this little story just reminded me of so many random people over the last twelve years who have met each other in one of my classes and uh, then met up again later. There were there were two people who started dating for several years after they met in class. Um, there are also people who take the class and then while they're watching the videos, they'll hear people they hear their friends from previous classes talking in some video (laughs) explanation. They'll be like, wait, I know that person. So it just, the connection is kind of cool to hear. So, um, I wanted to share that. That's awesome.
0: Yeah. Uh, I threw this on the agenda today. It's, uh, someone sent this through my website, thought that it was timely. So I figured I'd throw it on the agenda. It says, uh, I'm studying for the LSAT for the second time. I went through the Test Masters course in the spring of 2018 and wasn't satisfied with the program. I found that I was spending too much time diagramming or focusing on unimportant pieces during the LR and RC sections. I ended up with a 157 and decided to continue working for another year. A few months ago, I decided that I would start studying again and apply to law school to start in the fall of 2020. I'm enjoying my studying much more with the demon. Specifically, the ability to just drill and drill and drill and do sections has helped me to simplify my understanding of the LR section. In just a month of studying, I've already seen my highest practice score, 165. I didn't sniff that in my first round of studying in 2018. I'm registered for the October LSAT. I want to go to law school in Philadelphia and I'm mainly focused on Villanova and Temple, Temple being my top preference. 157 is in the median range, the median range. Mm, okay, for Nova and low for Temple. My GPA is above the 75th percentile for both schools. Anyway, I write all that to put in context the following question. Should I still apply in September to both of these schools and other reach schools? I was told by Temple that applying early definitely helps in the application process. I'm wondering if I should wait to see if my score gets above 160, more in the median range for Temple, before I apply. In short, I'm trying to weigh the benefit of applying early with the benefit of waiting three months and having, hopefully, a better LSAT score. Thank you for your attention to this question, Sam hmm definitely wait quick thoughts what's your gut say yeah wait 100 percent. i don't
1: feel like applying after the october lsat even though it's after halloween is gonna hurt you that much but you're going to be enormously benefited by getting a 162 even i mean he just got a 165 so i don't think a 162 let alone a 160 is hardly unreasonable he may end up with a 167
0: Get a full ride to these places and other places. Yeah, you could call them and ask, but I mean, I just normally there's two things that can happen, and neither of them help you. So the first thing is if you apply now, they might just evaluate you with your 157, and it sounds like, you know, you could easily get denied uh at least a temple, temple, especially. Yeah. yeah. Um you know, you're know, you probably going to get into Villanova. You could call Villanova and be like, hey, listen, I'm a 157 and a 3.8 or whatever it is. Do you want me to apply with that now or should I wait because I am taking it in October? But <laughs> they might just evaluate you with the 157. I would think you're still going to get in at Villanova, although who knows, right? Mm-hmm. But I would think that seems like, hey, above 50th percentile yeah. or at the 50th for LSAT and above the 75th for GPA like unless you really fuck up your personal statement um I would think they would still admit you and then you could probably just renegotiate the scholarship later if you retake the LSAT at at Temple I could see them just denying you
1: <laughs> yeah
0: which then you know I guess they probably have like an appeals process or whatever if you retake the LSAT but then again I don't that's a pain in the ass like we always say you should just wait to apply until you have your best LSAT score.
1: I think that applies here. And I I do too. The thing is, if you know that you can do better and you get accepted to Villanova, well, they're probably not going to give you as much scholarship as they would with a one hundred and sixty or higher. And which seems very likely for you. And so then you're just going to wait until you apply to temple or you should, at least for temple. And then, you're not going to be able to make a decision on Villanova until you hear back from Temple. I just feel like your concern, it sounds to me, like is that applying early is going to help you a lot and applying later is going to hurt you. But I think that they're saying that because they just want as many applications in as soon as possible.
0: Oh, yeah. They want to get their hooks into you. So you're if listening
1: you- to them and you really shouldn't be. They have an ulterior motive here.
0: Yeah, totally. This is taking law school admissions advice from law school admissions. Yeah. Which we were talking about last time. It's like, just, <laughs> they got to think about their incentives. And yeah, they, of course, they want you to apply as soon as possible. The, the, the other thing that might happen to you is that they might get your application in and then see that you're, cause they can see your, your record, like your whole LSAC record, including future tests that you're registered for. They will see that so, and
1: they'll ask you if you want them to wait sometimes.
0: Or they might just wait. Yeah. They might just be like, no, you're taking the LSAT again. So we don't want to evaluate you right now. We're going to wait for that other score, in which case you have no benefit from applying early. So <laughs> fairly clear here. Yeah. We agree. Yeah. Just hold off.
1: There's also a downside to applying. I mean, we, we've talked about the fact that, well, there are some, you already talked about some downsides, but here's another one. By not focusing on the LSAT because you're half focused on sending in applications. Yeah. Maybe you walk away with a 160 as opposed to your 165 or 167, which would be
0: earth-shattering. Do register for the credential assembly service. Do request all your undergraduate transcripts Mm -hmm. through the credential assembly service. Do request all of your letters of recommendation. Um, All those things that take a long time because they're out of your hands, you definitely want to do all that stuff. When you need a break from LSAT studying is a great time to do all those things. Yep. Um, personal statement as well. When you need a break from LSAT studying, you can certainly write a shitty first draft of a personal statement or go back and edit that shitty first draft mm-hmm. and make it slightly less shitty. But you shouldn't be like, No, if you're <laughs> the LSAT is the thing. I mean, and and boy, like we need to really emphasize this. You've got a 157 on record, but you just scored 165 on a practice test. Yeah like those are not the same candidate at all and if you could bump that up to like 170 i mean you now become like an i would think that's like an auto full ride at villanova
1: well i don't know that you'd even be considering these schools anymore
0: yeah you might change your mind about philadelphia yeah (laughs) we don't know what you know sam's personal reasons are for wanting to be in philly but it's like Mm, there's some pretty damn good schools in New York Mm -hmm. that are not far away. And uh, you know, yeah, if you, who knows what your limit really is, it sounds like you didn't, you know, you've, you've just recently started using the demon and it's working for you, which boy, it really works. And so you, you know, you're, yeah, the sky's the limit. So why would you sell yourself short by deciding on these two schools right now? Yeah. Cool. Um. All right. Ooh. Personal statement time. Yeah. Go ahead.
1: All right. Subject, James from Live Vegas Class, personal statement and update. Do we want to read this email? Oh, this is a decent... Oh, yeah, okay. Hey, Annalisa, Nathan, and Ben. This is James from the Vegas class. I did the praise the demon design. I wanted to give a quick update and accept your challenge for a, a goodish personal statement. My statement is short, 611 words. First, an update. I scored a 174 on the July LSAT. No thanks to Testmasters and a big thanks to the podcast. Oh, well, cool. Live class.
0: We're not trying to shit on Testmasters yeah. this episode, by the way. These just ha- emails popped up. But. Oh, wait. Look. So,
1: no thanks to Testmasters and big thanks to the podcast, live class, the LSAT demon, Nathan's tutoring, and Satan. <laughs> awesome. Okay. That's great. Um, You know, (laughs) as an agnostic, I have to say
0: I'm not confident that he's helping you or that he exists, but glad that you turned to him. (laughs) Um, As an atheist, I will tell you my (laughs) hypothesis is strongly that he does not exist, but I'd much rather hear you say say, jokingly praise Satan than like, Honestly, thank God. So anyway.
1: I'm I'm, uh, agnostic on that though. Uh, Okay. Anyway, so my first LSAT was a 157. The big turning point for me in my LSAT prep was I changed my mindset. I decided I was going to understand what was being said, push through the mental anguish, and not give up. I realized one of the reasons I was getting questions wrong is I was lazy. Oh, wow. So pause here for a half second. I don't know if you were lazy. You thought that it would be easier to do it the way you were doing it. You were seeking the path of least resistance, which I think is a smart strategy. That's how we need to survive in this world. But you realized that that wasn't the path of least resistance. The path of least resistance is actually pushing through the shit and seeing the light of day, right? Uh,
0: to actually understand that shit. Yeah. But that's, a, I mean, I want to like give James some serious props here for, for like taking that on board, mm-hmm. you know? That like, no, yeah, you, you were being like intellectually lazy. You were allowing yourself to read shit and not really understand it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And that's just not going to get it done. Like, I mean, sure, you can get a 157 like that. That's fine. Like a 157, I mean, yeah, you, you, lots of stuff you didn't understand. You just picked answers that just didn't answer questions. And cause you, you know, cause you just kind of got lazy sloppy and, and <laughs> that's how you get a, Yeah, sure. That's how you get to 157. But this is just awesome that he decided to, to like push through it and just force himself to really understand it. Yeah. I can't tell you how many times in my tutoring sessions, that's what it basically boils down to is me like kind of yelling at people like, wait a second, What's that say?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. What does that mean? Okay. <laughs> like you can figure it out, but you do have to, like, really, you have to wrestle with it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, it's not, it's just not okay to be, oh, well, well, <laughs> like the sloppy, you know, it's just it's lazy thinking. Yeah. So, anyway, that is awesome that he, like, I, boy, I really do like it when people take my advice. Yeah.
1: He continues, Nathan told me to try harder and that's what I've been doing. My PTs are now, PTs by the way are prep tests, practice tests. My practice tests are now consistently in the 176 to 178 range and I am confident going into September. So James has decided to retake the LSAT despite his 174 on the July LSAT. That's that's interesting. Okay. Um, he must be shooting for Harvard and Yale. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Cause he just thinks he can do better. I don't see in retaking if uh, you have if you're above the 75th percentile in a lot of these cases. So Well,
0: depends where he wants to go. Depends on how shitty his grades are. I mean, we don't know what his undergraduate grades are. Mm-hmm. It, if hey, if he can do better than a 174, I don't know, man. More power to people. Like at Harvard, Stanford, Yale, it makes a difference.
1: Look, I'm not opposed. I'm just saying um, yeah. it's a it's a surprising score for a lot of people right out there to hear someone retaking it, that's all, and just trying to understand. Yeah. But look, he's scoring higher. He's, he's going to do better, so that's awesome. He says, second, as a resident of Arizona, I fully endorse everything Nathan had to say about how much Phoenix a- sucks ass. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez, we're going back to this again. <laughs> On behalf of the Thinking Set podcast community, I apologize for um anything that might have been said anyways finally
0: that's an arizona resident (laughs) saying it sucks oh oh therefore
1: (laughs) the opinion of one thank you james finally if you have a chance i would appreciate it if you could destroy my statement on the show Hmm. i have listened to all your episodes and i recognize my first sentence could be better and i have a few wordy sentences but other than that i think i have followed most of your other advice There are no adverbs. It is pretty much all action done by me. I read the statement out loud, had someone smarter than me read it, and ran it through Grammarly. (laughs) Wow. Okay. I would call this almost my final draft. Here it is.
0: Personal statement. Okay. I've got my hopes up. In the summer of 2017, while working in the mailroom of a law office in New Hampshire, I seized on an opportunity that, by the end, had me convinced that seeking a law degree is the right choice for my life and career.
1: Hmm. Mm.
0: (laughs) James knows it could be better. I mean, the, the thing that I like about it is that it's, it's actually like starting with some facts, you know, like he's working in a mailroom of a law office. Okay, good. I don't like that. It's so long.
1: I don't like that. It's so long. I think that he's trying to like pique our curiosity here by saying I seized on an opportunity that M dash by the end M dash had me convinced that seeking a law degree is the right choice for my life and career. Mm -hmm. Um, But I don't
0: I don't like the ambiguity right now. I want more. Also, no one ever needs to say that you're convinced that a law degree is the right choice for your life and career because you're applying to law school. So we know that that's what you think you should do. Yeah. Like you need to just, just go ahead and show us why that's true. You don't need to say it's true. You could just show us like show us the actual goods here. And yeah, ironically, (laughs) let us reach that decision.
1: Ironically, this has the effect of highlighting your potential doubt, and oh, bring, completely bringing us into that like decision process. Like, oh, maybe, <laughs> yeah, like you should act
0: as if it's obvious. Like, yeah, this we is a natural step forward. I mean, one of our our personal statement services uh, clients mm. right now sent a draft in that I was looking at yesterday. Mm-hmm. And, um, he, he has been out of undergrad for a while and he like for 10 years Mm. and he has kind of a, like, I was, I'm going to say sketchy. It's not sketchy. It's just that it's, he's having a hard time explaining his, like his path. And he kept saying over and over how he's like always been on, this path toward law school Mm -hmm. that it was a childhood dream. And he's just, you know, every, all these things have just, he's been on the path, but it's like the facts are he's not at all been on the path. Mm. And the more you keep saying I've been on this path, the more I'm like, well, where's your evidence for that? And then it's like, no, this thing has nothing to do with that. Mm. So now why are you, it's like, it's just protesting too much. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's like, And so then it just definitely has the exact opposite of the intended effect. So that's, yeah. If we write a book, Ben, about personal statements, Mm. which we've been talking about doing, and I've had people encouraging me to do. If we write a book about personal statements, I was thinking about maybe using like no conclusions as a title or part of the title. Yeah. Like one thing that people do wrong so often, they especially do it at the end. They do it at the beginning and the end, I guess. They just like they feel like they have to have an introduction and they have to have a conclusion, mm-hmm. and it you just you don't need that. You just need the facts.
1: Yeah, it's funny. There was a statement we were we were working on the other day, right? And the whole statement was fact, 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 because you guys you had uh, helped them get to that point. Yeah, and I was going through it, and then it's like they felt this need to tell something more it's like there's something inside of them that they want to say that's not being said in the facts in their minds and so he added something like a paragraph at the end and all of a sudden it just went off the
0: rails and it was like yeah.
1: i want to save the planet and all this stuff and you're like whoa <laughs> like,
0: people are <laughs> used to just seventh grade essay writing where they have to have a really heavy-handed introduction and heavy-handed conclusion yeah and we don't want that we want the facts in the middle yeah um so anyway um this first sentence probably can just be cut like it's just like so often is the case with these personal statements you could just start like halfway through your first paragraph or (laughs) a lot of times just get rid of your first paragraph and just start in the middle of the actual story that you're going to tell yeah
1: oh and it looks like james is kind of going down this road of like showing us how he got to whatever situation led him to decide to go to law school, as opposed to just throwing us into that situation. We don't need to know how you got there. We don't, we don't really care that you decided to accept a job or whatever, but anyways, let's see what he yeah, says. Yeah, And I
0: don't, it's, it's like this isn't, he's, he is trying to tease us here with like, this was the, the moment or this was the opportunity that convinced me to seek a law degree. But it's like, I just don't even care that that's going to be your conclusion. Just tell me yeah. a story. Like <laughs> yeah. what I really want to do is just see what you've done. Like just get me into you doing things. No, yeah. So the conclusion this that opportunity-
1: we opportunity is that you're a badass worker, that you get shit right. done. And right. you, so if you want to start with a conclusion, say this. I'm a badass motherfucker and I can get a lot yeah. of shit done. And now let me tell you how I'm going to do let me show you that cuz I'm going to prove that to you. And then we just cut the first sentence. We just get rid of that at the end. Right. Cut it out. Yeah, that yeah.
0: could be the first <laughs> sentence and the last sentence. You know, the last sentence is like as demonstrated above, I kick fucking ass. Yeah. And then we're like, we're like okay, okay great. great. No, cut them and you're good. <laughs> yeah just cut that because you've demonstrated it and i just will reach that conclusion on my own which is so much more powerful wait this is kind of interesting maybe this is a strategy remember
1: your peanut butter analogy someone in class was mentioning it the other day and they were saying oh yeah i like it (laughs) so you you have your peanut butter sandwich and the two pieces of bread are like i'm a badass and uh, you know worker basically some people might misinterpret that and then um you just take those two pieces of bread off when you're done it's like okay now we see the the stuff in the middle that's a little <laughs> gross so the analogy doesn't work too well because most people don't eat sandwiches that way but
0: also you can't really take apart a peanut butter sandwich <laughs> so this analogy is really falling apart <laughs> okay. badly so then you but- throw it
1: away just like you should your personal statement sorry <laughs> okay
0: we do we should maybe use this though in our service um which, by the way, if you're interested, thinkinglsat.com has all the pricing and everything. But um, for the service, maybe one of the exercises we should put is like, okay, we're giving you the first sentence and we're giving you the last sentence. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> all you have to do is fill in the middle. Huh. Maybe so. Um, okay, my bad. So that was the first sentence, uh, which probably can be cut. Yep. It started with a phone call. Mm. That can be cut, too. Yep. We Just get get to it. Mm-hmm. Get to it. Not the too much ramping up here. Let's just get to it. Yep. Um, The voice on the other end was a former classmate. No,
1: James. No, this is like too cinematic.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Hello. Cinematic. It was Allie. (laughs) (laughs) Also, I think that sentence is wrong. Yeah,
1: the voice was a former classmate. Was no, it was a former classmate.
0: It was or- the voice of a former classmate, <laughs> but the voice was not a former classmate. Holy shit! It was a former classmate on the other end of the phone, but the voice was not. Wait, hold on, James does worship classmate.
1: Satan or something, right? Like, so maybe he's hearing
0: things. <laughs> Why didn't Grammarly catch that? I don't know. Maybe it's not that smart. That's a strike against Grammarly. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. Let's, let's get to the, it's like the engine is just cranking. You know, it's just trying to get the engine started here and it's just cranking and cranking and cranking, but there's no uh, spark yet. All right. She requested, I join the committee of a nonprofit that hosts conferences, which provide networking and fellowship opportunities to young professionals in my home state of Arizona. I accepted. Ugh. So this again this is the job offer. Yeah. Why do people always put the job offer? <laughs> I don't back? know.
1: We've talked they about love this
0: putting too. the job offer. They love putting interviews and job offers and accepting job offers. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> this is like the 10th time that we've yelled about this. Yeah. I don't care. I know that you accepted the job because it's on your resume. Well, If you're doing, it. I know it. that it was offered to you and I know you accepted it. Yeah.
1: If you showed up, like, I don't know what you're going to do at this nonprofit, but if you started talking about what you were doing at an event, we'd be like, I would well, assume he
0: must've, <laughs> did he just break in?
1: Is he a, is he a nonprofit
0: crasher? Now this is back to that peanut butter thing, yeah. man, the peanut butter sandwich. Yeah. This is like, I first, I woke up in the morning, <laughs> then I put on my pants, then the telephone rang. So I went over and I answered the phone by pushing accept. <laughs> and I said, hello. <laughs> I'm providing a lot of, I did this <laughs> sentences. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's good, but it's also like, let's, you can't, this is like a whole paragraph of just like getting out of bed. Yeah, like, what Let's get to the work part. Mm-hmm. Like, let's see what you did at the job. Okay. Okay. <sighs> This is at a conference. Wait, this is a committee. You're being joined. You're joining a committee of a nonprofit that hosts these conferences. Okay, which provide networking at the first, and fellowship
1: opportunities to young professionals in my home state of Arizona. I don't mm-hmm. know too much
0: detail. Yeah, we got to get to work. Like right now, all you've done so far is accept a job. Mm-hmm. So you get, I want to see what you do at the job. Yeah. Um. Okay. At the first committee meeting in Tucson that fall. I vied for and was elected to the position of accommodations chair. The crux of my duties involved securing a venue for the conference and hotel accommodations for over 2000 attendees. We we had this buildup too in a
1: statement we were just working on, whereas like people are telling us or the person was telling us about what he needed to do as opposed to just telling us What he did like, Oh yeah, job involved, finding all this stuff. It's like, okay,
0: why don't you just tell us that you're finding this stuff. This construction here too. the, the crux of my duties involved.
1: No, that's weird.
0: Like don't put the, so the crux is the subject of that sentence and involved is the verb instead of I secured a venue for You know, I secured a venue and uh, for conference and hotel accommodations for over two thousand attendees. Then you're like, "Wow, hmm, how'd you do that?" (laughs) But the but no, instead of James doing it, the crux of his duties involves doing it. Yeah. Um. Okay. I had a strict budget of ten thousand dollars. I like that sentence is short. This figure needed to cover facility rentals, technical equipment, and support, labor costs, and food and beverage expenses. Man, $10,000 for 2,000 attendees? $5 a head? Wow. This is some, like, water out of wine shit. That's amazing. Okay. Wait, water out of wine. Wine out of water. (laughs) (laughs) The loaves and fishes and all that shit. We're getting really Um, religious today. Since I had never done a project of this scale before, I sought the guidance of the three previous accommodations chairs. Drumroll. During my... Cr- <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> what don't you like about that?
1: Well, it's just like more like,
0: I don't know, build up. <laughs> yeah. I, asking for help, I suppose, is good, but I, I just, I'd rather hear about the magic you were able to pull off. Yeah. Um, Okay. During my crash course, I learned the standard terms and specific language utilized in hotel contracts. James, did you just use my least favorite word? Yeah. Also, hold on a second. I'm very confused, Ben. Hmm. Ben, you've signed contracts for facilities before. Sure. You actually went to law school. Mm -hmm. Do you give one shit about the standard terms and specific language utilized in hotel contracts? Nope. Do you ever read that shit at all? So James is like having to, he's getting accommodations for a conference, but he's learning the legal terms for hotel contracts. Why? I have no idea. This definitely sounds like you're wasting time. It's this sounds. This is now edging into like pretend lawyer shit. Like, oh, this is a this is a big deal. This is appropriate for my law school personal statement because I had to look at the specific terms and language, ter, standard terms and specific language that are s- utilized in hotel contracts. Like, I saw how one listen, clause
1: was linked to another clause and the legal implications for that.
0: <laughs> so I decided I'm going to pursue law school. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like there was an arbitration clause and thing. And I was very concerned about that. And then I realized that the hotel doesn't give a fuck and I can either sign their contract or not rent from them. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, what are you going to do? Like really renegotiate their standard contract. This is, (laughs) they do these things all day, every day. Well, I'm going to say this
1: about contracts in general too. No one cares about the entire contract. All they ever care about is one or two lines that maybe dictate price. Right? They go, oh, yeah, what 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 amount are you going to
0: fill in that line? And everybody's negotiating over that. Yeah, what's the total, what is the bottom line number? Yeah. How much is this going to cost me and what am I going to get? Like, don't give me the rental fee and then also give me the mandatory minimums for food and beverage or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I understand that you have all these stupid scammy ways, but like, what's the number on the bottom line? Mm-hmm. You know, that's like the only thing that really matters in all this. And if James is like actually reading through these contracts, that's just, I don't know. It's not, this is not having the effect, the desired effect. Yep. Uh, okay. I also studied previous contract proposals to understand the facility requirements and the associated financial liabilities for a conference of this size. Having done my due diligence, I was ready to begin approaching respective venues you know (laughs) listen you're not the first person to do these conferences you talk to the three previous accommodations chairs i would think you would ask them ah where'd you guys do it how much did it cost Yep. I, i don't understand the need for this due diligence it's very confusing okay I reached out to the 10 largest venues in Tucson, of which five were capable of supporting a conference of over 2000 people. After touring each of the five facilities, I returned to the committee bearing brochures from each that were rife with glossy photographs of sparkling swimming pools and beautiful desert views. The group selected a preferred hotel in an accessible downtown location, this strong preference for only one venue with no other alternatives in the area presented a challenge in negotiations.
1: (laughs) I'm still baffled by the $10,000 limit. How would any of these facilities be like,
0: sure, it's probably more of a burden to them. Anyway, I couldn't walk away from talks and sign with another venue if we reached an impasse. Oh, well, you know what though? I think I know how Ben. Hmm. Because they must sell a lot of hotel rooms too, so there was also like a minimum of. Uh, but wasn't
1: hotel rooms. he seeking hotel accommodations as well?
0: No. Well, y- yes, but he's not paying. That's not included in the. Well, 10, if grand. that's the case, then yeah, they'd be happy to take their ten grand to get a lot more. Yeah, people. But
1: anyways, mm-hmm. okay.
0: But he's like overselling it a little bit earlier with the ten thousand dollar budget for two thousand. I mean, I guess it's obvious that <laughs> at five dollars a head, that does not include a hotel room. But mm-hmm. anyway, um, okay. There were several sticking points in negotiations with our preferred venue. The hotel insisted we purchase a minimum of $2,000 of food and beverage directly from them with no outside refreshments permitted. Yep. Also the venue would not provide discounted rates for meeting space rentals. Lastly, the initial contract proposal included a fee if we did not fill a set number of hotel rooms. Uh,
1: mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. These terms were not unreasonable. However, as a representative of a nonprofit, I had a duty of care. Oh no. <laughs> you're not you're not fighting for your duty. You're just fighting for your organization. Also, that's that's like he's now again, he's like throwing in the quasi lawyership. Yeah.
1: Fiduciary duty. I had a
0: <laughs> Yeah. That's like, dude, you're not a lawyer. Just stop, but just don't don't talk like that. Yeah obviously you're trying to do the best job you can. And what difference does it make if you're representing a nonprofit or a for-profit? Yeah. We all are trying to do the same thing. (laughs) Like your job is to get the best deal you can for whoever you're working for. And the fact that it's a nonprofit, I don't think has anything to do with it. But then you just definitely, this language of I had the a duty of care is like, no. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Okay. And my job was to decrease our financial liability while receiving the best terms possible. Okay, wordy way of saying get a good deal. It's also just like no shit. That's what we've been talking about since the very beginning. Yeah. We understand that you're negotiating a deal here. This is like way brutally overselling this negotiation. Yeah. I chose not to accept the terms as offered and negotiations stalled. I adopted a new strategy. (laughs) This is like he's brokering peace in the Middle East or something.
1: The warring tribes set down their weapons.
0: (laughs) 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 Oh my God. Okay. I drafted a contract proposal that contained the optimal terms we sought and presented it to one of our non-preferred venues. Once the non-preferred venue showed interest in signing, I returned to the preferred hotel with an official contract proposal that proved we could get the deal we sought elsewhere. By leveraging competing hotels, I was able to negotiate a less restrictive contract. The preferred hotel updated its bid to include no fee for empty rooms and a sliding scale for meeting space rental costs based on attendance. We also compromised on the food and beverage restrictions by agreeing to purchase pre-packaged snacks from the hotel, they waived the $2,000 minimum and allowed us to use a third-party vendor for beverages. The hotel signed the contract, and the conference went on with sold-out attendance. Our total financial responsibility to the hotel came to $1,500, a full $8,500 under budget. Wow. Wow.
1: I mean, I don't like all the overselling. I'm impre- I like I feel like you did something cool here, James, but I feel like by drumming it up so much, it, it's like we're expecting like Jesus to come down, right? Or Satan, somebody, and all we see is like like a cool car, which is neat. It's like wow. Um you did a good job here. But I feel like this is an example of an
0: instance, not a personal statement,
1: something, know, something's
0: off. It, he's taking our advice to focus on. Yeah. Like an achievement. Yeah. Something we've we said that
1: a million times,
0: uh-huh. but he also picked a thing that I think he thought sounded like lawyer shit. And in truth, it's not that much lawyer shit. Like this is something that we would have an assistant or whatever, <laughs> sort out for us. It's not a loy law- This is not a lawyer job. This is a. Hey, can you call ten hotels and get us a deal on a room? Yeah. And like I don't know. Even the this the fact that he comes in eighty five hundred dollars under budget is like it's almost too well, good to be true. It's like weird. Yes, and it's also like hey. Did do you think do we like really believe that like boy he really pulled a fast one on this hotel? I I got to think that the hotel like they make their money somehow one way or the other. So they ended up making it off of your conference attendees. Like maybe they just raised the price for the hotel rooms. Like you could have got instead of this, you could have got a discount, a better rate on the hotels, bulk rate whatever. I don't know, there's just so many ways that <laughs> Yeah, like I have a very like uncomfortable feeling right now after reading this. Right. It, yeah, it just doesn't I, I don't know, it's I don't think that this is having at all the effect that James thinks it's having.
1: And I think one of the reasons for that is because of the build up the oh my god, let me tell you this thing that happened and, and then it's like, "What? What?" And it's like, "My friend came over yesterday." It's like, "Oh, Okay, (laughs) and and what? Um, I I'm just not. I was anticipating more. I think there's. I think this could be a paragraph. And you say, for example, last summer, blah blah blah. I did this, and then and then this year I also did this. Like as part of a broader narrative.
0: Totally. Like yeah, I want to hear other wins rather than like an entire personal statement about this one deal. Yeah. So, okay, we've been giving people this advice a lot where we're
1: saying we're going through their personal statement and they're going, they're glossing over like lots of things. And it's like, okay, wait, hold up. Let's just take one of these things and expand it and talk about that. But here, and this is what we had the problem with the last personal statement we read, is like people zoomed in way too far. So we need that that sort of happy medium where you're telling enough to the reader that they're like, oh, cool. They get the idea, and once they get the idea, you move on. Um, we're going to have to keep working on this until people get that right sense. But here's an example of something that's too too zoomed in. Uh, or maybe there's more to say here, and James is just not talking about it, because a lot of these sentences are like, okay, and then I ha- this is what I had to do, and I did it. And this was the result of me doing that,
0: as opposed to just... This is what I did. And then I did this. And then I did that. So. His final sentence says, legal training will help sharpen the tools I have already begun developing, whether I continue working with nonprofits or take on new challenges in other fields. Mm, I don't like the
1: legal training will help sharpen the tools I have already begun developing. It's, it just sounds self congratulatory. It should be something where the person is concluding on their own that you have sharpened tools <laughs> or that you have already begun. They
0: look at your statement. They go, oh, wow, look at you. And you don't need to tell them. Yeah. And I also I really don't like the like pseudo lawyer tone of this whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. The, the acting like you're a lawyer negotiating a contract thing is just like I, I think ev- everyone who reads this from the schools is going to be like, oh, boy, this guy thinks that he's doing lawyer shit and he's just not. Yeah, <laughs> like you, you just don't I don't like it when people try to I don't when I, I do say like, hey, do professional like let me see professional shit. And like when I say let me see lawyer shit, what I mean is let me see you just kicking ass in business or kicking ass in the workplace. Yeah. Kicking ass yeah. at
1: whatever. Yeah. I think people have misinterpreted that and that makes sense. I mean, we got to figure out how to clarify what we're saying. And I think when you say lawyer shit, I've always interpreted that as hardworking. Um, yes. <laughs> detail oriented. Detail oriented. Yeah. Like competent. Old dog. Um, can kick solve ass. problems that other people, that's right. what lawyers do, right? Right. Well, good ones. There are a lot of bad ones, but good lawyers get paid a lot of money because they come in and they help a business or a, a government or an agency grapple with a complex problem. They're like, I, we got these legal challenges, how do we get out of this? And the lawyer says, oh, this is what you do. Smart ones, right? This is how we can maneuver in, in the system that we have and this is how we can get out of it. It's um, it's not <laughs> literally literally <laughs> Contracts and right. not that it can't be, it certainly could be if that's legit. But it's like you're saying, James and others have tried to reach for any connection <laughs> to actual legal work. And that's not what
0: you mean by lawyer shit. You mean hard working. <laughs> yeah, and this this could definitely be a like one part of a personal mm-hmm. statement, but it's like, I don't know. I mean, the salt the thing you had to solve here was like. How do I get conference space with available hotel rooms for 2000 attendees? My budget's 10 grand. That's for the conference space, dude. That's for the conference rooms and maybe the food and the food and beverage. Mm -hmm. That's not for the hotel accommodations. You just need to make sure that the hotel has rooms. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know. I would think that you first thing you do is you call around. You spend an afternoon calling all 10 of these places and say you want a quote. Mm -hmm. Then you get the quotes and you start comparing the quotes to each other. Yep. You, I don't think you need to be like getting on, going to the, going, <laughs> going to the law library to like look up contract provisions. No,
1: and I don't even mind someone saying that they read the contracts to make sure that they understood exactly what they were agreeing to for their organization. But you're making it seem like you did so much more than just make sure that your ducks are in a row. So then, yeah. that's the—that's what you were talking about earlier. It's the overselling.
0: Yeah, I would like to see another take on this. Um, I would cut eighty percent of this. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to be a one-paragraph piece of a larger personal statement. I'd—I'd I'd like to know a lot more, like what other stuff like this, or just what other stuff. Period. Did you do? Uh, this is just for a volunteer thing. Uh, I don't Which that's okay, but what, yeah. It, it's weird though too
1: cuz he's like I vied for and was elected to the position of accommodations chair. Uh <laughs> You make it yeah. sound like there was this big competition. My my fear is that it was actually five people in a room and someone's like does anyone want to do this? And you're like, yeah, I'll do it. And they're like, okay, sweet.
0: Right. Thanks, James. <laughs> That's why we asked you. Yeah, I mean if there's more to, <laughs> like if there's more to it like that you had to campaign and whatever then I guess you could talk about that. But like yeah, otherwise it's just it's an awful lot of awful lot of overselling.
1: We'll get Seems there. Me. We'll get there James. Yeah, and yeah, we will. We'll we'll get there. And by the way, we love your shirts. I wore it last night to class and people always ask whether where and how they can buy them. So
0: Yeah, thank you, James, very much. Um, If you want to send in another draft, we would be more than happy to um, give that one the treatment as well. Uh, This is this is uh, there's useful stuff here, but just there's a lot of fat too that needs to be cut here. Yeah, very common. That again, saw one yesterday. Um, Somebody who does our personal, you know, is a client of our personal statement service, and they had sent in a draft that you know they were. Okay, here we go. You know, I'm ready. This is my draft. And it was like, well, okay, we're going to cut out like the first page of it. And we're going to cut out the last half a page of it. Mm -hmm. And then this one paragraph right here, where you're talking about this one thing, let's get more about that, like a lot more about that. More details, more facts, more. I did this, I did that, I did this other thing. Let me see you kicking ass in this one thing because the rest of it was just all this like editorialization about I've wanted to be a lawyer since I was 14 and (laughs) blah, 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 you know? Yeah. Well, there's always something there we can use, (laughs) but people have a hard time getting to it.
1: I just want to take a half second to tell anyone who's thinking about writing us and asking for a discount on that service, we get these emails all the time, and people are like, well, my statement's really good. It just needs a final like, look over. So can you discount your service and just look it over? And unfortunately, we always have to say no because that's never the case. Even in these for these candidates who have high credentials elsewhere, right? James is doing extraordinarily well on the LSAT. And I don't know what his GPA is. Did he say his GPA? I don't think he did. But um, when it comes to writing about yourself, it's hard and people just don't know what to say.
0: Well, and this is like James, you know, I mean, I he tried hard. Yeah. He's listened to every episode of the show, he knows us. He knows how we are, you know, he knows how critical we are, and he thought, I mean, he says at the top here that he he expects that this is uh I mean, he did all these things, right? No adverbs, read it out loud, someone smarter than him read it. Yeah. Ran it through Grammarly like, and I, he says I would call this almost my final draft. Mm-hmm. And I would call it a good start, kind (laughs) of. Yeah. Like like, really three quarters of it has to go.
1: And there's nothing wrong with these awful first drafts. You've got to write them. You've got to get the ball rolling. It's impossible for us to work with people who can't write anything. I don't know what to write. Well, you got to write something and then let's start
0: going from there. We'll find something. In the- yeah. And this isn't awful either. It's just, there's, it's just misguided. A lot of it needs to be cut. I mean, the awful parts are when he used the word utilized <laughs> and <laughs> a couple broken sentences, but you know, it's not awful. It's just like, he definitely put some thought into it and I appreciate all that effort. Like it will pay off if you keep putting that effort in. But we need to hear more, um, more job stuff. And if that means that this nonprofit is not the right thing to talk about, you could totally talk about your law office or I think you know, James has his own business. Like you could talk about anything.
1: Well, and maybe if it's part of a larger narrative, I could totally see something where you say in one paragraph um, Last summer, while helping at this nonprofit, and you named the nonprofit. I did. I helped negotiate this deal, and this is what the challenge was. And you you, you explain that, and it's a paragraph, right? You you take all the pertinent facts that you've just told us, and you put it into one paragraph. All of a sudden, that's you you make it seem like a throwaway idea. You're like, oh, by the way, I did this. Right. And it, first of all, people are like, wait, what? What you you worked for a nonprofit outside of everything else you're telling us? Now all of a sudden, you sound like. That sounds like lawyer shit.
0: Like, yeah, oh, I have a job. Exactly. And by
1: the way, I on the side, I help this nonprofit. And in
0: like two sentences, you say, you know, I had to arrange a conference, uh, conference for space 2000. for two thousand attendees with a budget of only ten thousand dollars ended up being able to get it done for 1500 yeah. and then you just move on to the next idea yes, you, and you let
1: you act like <laughs> it's not fact a big speak deal for itself. Yeah. yeah. And then
0: it sounds like, Oh fuck, that's a big deal. But now
1: because you make it yeah. such a big deal, we're like, what, what? And it's like, Oh,
0: that's all it is. Yeah. So, yeah, totally. All right. Thank you again, James. i happy to read another draft. If you, uh, if you can stomach it, <laughs> we'd love to take another look. Let's see. I think we're going to wrap it up there. Um, just want to, Remind you that we are in business. You can go to thinkinglsat.com if you want to sign up for our live class in New York City coming October, what was that? 12 and 13? Mm -hmm. October 12 and 13, we are coming to New York City uh, to teach a class. It's going to be really fun and it's going to be really, really helpful. Can't wait to uh, teach with you again, Ben. It's always fun to get in the classroom with you. For sure. You can uh, check us out on Facebook. We've got a very active Thinking LSAT podcast group there. We uh, are at Thinking Elsat on all social media. I'm on Twitter at In Fox. Ben is at Olson Benjamin. You can go to StrategyPrep.com to learn about Ben's classes in DC. FoxElsat.com to learn about my classes in LA and San Francisco. Uh, each of us have uh, one-on-one options. Go to ElsatDemon.com. Remember that you're going to get a ginormous discount on the New York City live class if you're a Demon subscriber. Uh, that's it. That was episode 209 of the thinking LSAT podcast. Thanks all y'all for listening. Nice knowing you don't pay for law school.